0: it's ball talk it's ball talk baby it's ball talk it's ball talk baby it's ball talk
1: it's ball talk baby it's ball talk it's ball talk hello and welcome to the ball talk podcast it is currently monday november 1st 2021 8 42 p.m i'm your host john sock and as always i'm joined by my co-host the best in the business chaz jurgens chaz how are you doing today you know who it is it's another nice day over here in montreal coming off halloween so
0: Big weekend for a lot of people, busy weekend at the restaurant and just doing well, you know, back into the swing of things, got a great workout in today. So just feeling good, loving life, NBA's in full swing, had league pass with just four games on my laptop right before we started this. So it's nothing better than when you can just sit down and watch literally every single basketball game at once. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Did you celebrate Halloween? You do anything fun for Halloween? No, I mean we little, you know, we were out and about on the on the Friday and the Saturday. I was pretty busy on Sunday. I work all day long, so I didn't actually get to celebrate on the the day of the Hallows, I guess. But no, I'm not a, never really been a big Halloween person, to be honest. Uh, not You're a, never a the ma- dress up? Not, not a big dress up guy. Although everyone who missed out on uh, watching Jackie Moon walk around Montreal this winter, this uh, Halloween, you were thoroughly disappointed. You know.
1: I, I I am I am here, and my disappointment is measurable.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. How about you guys over down there in uh, in Beantown, Big Halloween City over there? No,
1: up in Beantown, you know, we 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 got around to it. You know, we got to spend mm-hmm. some time with my friends. Got to go out to the Fenway, Ooh. see what was going around around there, because there's no real downtown in Boston, because Boston's a really weird city compared to Montreal. <laughs> um. Now you had uh, uh Jack Harlow made an appearance. So, Ooh. Wait,
0: congratulations nice always good to meet him you know he's super he's, fun
1: he's taller than you'd imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i, I, heard he feel, come like, in I feel like i feel like jack harlow is about to become the go-to costume for any white guy with curls over the next like year or two if he stays this big
0: yeah if he keeps dropping
1: like you got some more heat i'm sure coming next
0: summer and it's just gonna be absolute harlow season for every halloween
1: i i, I guarantee it's gonna be my backup costume until my hair starts to go away I'm just gonna be like, I could just get a pair of magnet, like literally, literally all I did was order a pair of magnetic earrings, and like an eight dollar pair of sunglasses, and boom, I had a costume for less than twenty bucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I already had the Flint Tropics jersey. It's it's Jackie Moon or Bob Ross. It's pretty easy for me, you know, you just throw it up there.
1: You know what I was, <laughs> I love this. All right, Halloween was great. Yeah. Uh, Halloween was great. You know what's greater than Halloween? Basketball. The NBA season is in full swing. Games are actually being played that matter. Trends are starting. We're just going to go around the league. Talk about mm-hmm. some stuff we've noticed. Maybe make a couple of predictions. Maybe not.
0: Yeah. Just talk. Just get a, some stuff some ahead. of our early thoughts of the early season so far. You know, some things we noticed, some things we've been watching, maybe indications for later on or things that are happening so far that should probably get corrected real quick because, I mean, there's some teams that are already dropping down the standings. You know, it seems like, uh, you know, uh, don't want to shout out anyone too early, but a few it's two and threes, some some three and
1: fours out there that, you know, they would would think they would be doing a little bit better to start the year. And, I mean, in the other way, there's a couple of teams that are doing a lot mm-hmm. better than you'd imagine. Yes, yeah, sir. And we'll definitely take some time to talk about them. But the first team that I want to talk about, the entire the entire planet seems to have caught uh, caught some Bulls fever. I mean, best start since '96. How could you not? They're five and one. They have uh, quite a few unimpressive wins and a win over the Utah Jazz. Um, mm-hmm. they've been playing well. Pat Williams Pat Williams is out for the season, unfortunately. Uh, get well soon, Pa. Yeah. But I want to talk about the Bulls, what we've been seeing from them, and whether we're buying this five and one start. I, you know what? You no. Know before we even get into that, I'll tell you right now, I am not buying the five and one start. They beat the Pistons twice without Cade Cunningham, the Pelicans without Zion Williamson, and the Raptors, who I don't know what they're doing. They mm-hmm. also lost. They lost to the Knicks by one. Oh, and they beat the Jazz by eight. That was impressive. That was. Now good they're one. down eight right now to the Celtics at uh, to the Celtics at halftime. Yeah, Jalen Brown is cooking them. Go JB. Can, I, can I confirm.
0: Yeah, I mean this Bulls team. Five and one, I'll tell you what, I'm not fully bought into some Bulls fans who are saying that they're going to be a top three seed in the East right now, but I can't say that off the first five, six games of the season now, they do have more of the look of a playoff team than a play-in team to me. And I think that's for Bulls fans as much as they can hope for, if they can come in that five, six seed, then that's where they're aiming for. But I, I do like a lot of what they're doing so far to start the year, especially just This is a team where you get a guy like Vucevic who's played so many years with so many uh, mediocre teams, to put it mildly, for the Orlando Magic, and he's always been considered a a highly talented offensive player. And I think just you get an opportunity like this for an aging star in the NBA to play on a team that might be competitive, and you're starting to see him do a lot more things all over the floor because you know what? Every possession actually kind of matters for him now. Whereas in Orlando, he was just sort of getting buckets to try to keep his team afloat. Now it's like these are winner go home, not winner go home, but these are winning plays that he needs to be making for them. So I'm, ex- I've been loving what I've seen specifically from him so far. But the cohesion amongst the all the guys, and the, their new additions, has been real good. It's a bit good start for Billy Donovan and the boys.
1: Yeah, they've been. I mean, they've been. They've just been so much fun this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that surprised me the most has been their defense. And maybe mm. that's just because of the teams that they've been playing. But they're using Vucevic pretty much as well as possible. They're currently 10th in offensive rating and 6th in defensive rating.
0: Wow. I know
1: it's early, but if you told me at any point this season that the Bulls would be a better defense than offense, I wouldn't believe you. You could have told mm-hmm. me it was the first three games and I still wouldn't believe you. It's crazy. But it's promising. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it's crazy and it's promising. It's very early, but it's mm-hmm. still promising. Yeah. On the offensive side, I I think they've done a really good job at sharing the pie in a lot of ways. Everyone's getting their touches. No one's ball hogging except for when they're hot. Mm-hmm. DeRozan and Vush have done a great job of like settling in as secondary players next to Levine. Uh, I like the DeRozan Levine staggering, and then the defense. I've really liked what they've been how they've been using the length of Lonzo and Caruso, and even mm-hmm. Levine has been using his length really well. Javante Green is coming off the bench and doing it too. They've just they're they're packing it in with the defenders and yeah. it's it's working it is mm-hmm. it is I mean it's worked so far it's taken a lot of pressure off of Vucevic who is we've gone on and on about how he's probably one of the worst center defenders in the entire NBA <laughs> and whether it's even possible to win with him
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want to see if they can hold up against more elite wing scorers That is has this team is really gonna be tested but for now they've done a great job at handling what they've been given handling Donovan Mitchell and mm-hmm. you know right now we said it Jalen Brown is going off on them so We'll yeah, see how I mean, the rest of this game goes, but the Celtics are the perfect test team for whether this defense can actually guard those bigger wing types.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, a big game for sure. Uh, taking an eye on, and I, I do think that Lonzo Caruso backcourt defensively has been better than I expected to start the season. Like they have always both been considered very good defenders in their own right, but it seemed like them two without really a a. Prim, uh, pain presence of a defender or a big body that they can rely on, on switches and pick and rolls that will fight with them. I wasn't hundred percent sure how they'd be able to fit in. Cause a lot of what they do is chasing guys around screens and playing a lot of on-ball defense in which you need reliable, at least positional help guys so that you can be on ball as much as possible and then recover to the right situations. And so far they've looked pretty good at that. Like being able to not necessarily get caught in pick and rolls as much and give up easy baskets all over the place because there's miscommunications. But guys seem to be filling their spots really well and continuing to play great defense. And offensively, I mean, they've been able to score the ball all over the place. And it is going to be interesting to see what happens with the, all these elite scores. Cause yeah, Levine's their number one guy. But if, Whenever Vutra DeRozan gets hot, how much will Levine be able to settle into that secondary role for that game? And then in terms of being the leader throughout bigger games, who the ball is going to get given to? Because, I mean, personally, I I give that to DeMar DeRozan and let him create. And Zach Levine can get it off of what DeRozan does, but I think DeMar is going to be their go-to guy, at least in the regular season.
1: I mean, I do think that they're going to use DeMar DeRozan as a big innings eater. I still think Levine, Levine was one of the best clutch scorers in the NBA last season. I think in the end of the game, it's going to be the Levine show. I think if they make it to the playoffs, it's going to be the Levine show. Mm. But just having guys like Levine and Vooch, like um, DeRozan and Vooch to take that, that load off of Levine during the regular season, it's very important. I'm still mm-hmm. very worried about their depth. This this double top 10, I I, I can't <laughs> remember who was the one that called, that. Uh, that decided this was the test for a contender. But if you are top 10 in offense and defensive rating, you're supposed to be considered a contender. So by that metric, currently, they are a contender. They can't have any more injuries yeah. if they want to maintain this status. Mm-hmm. They have no bench really to rely upon. They've Now that Patrick Williams is down, they've been using a little more Tony Bradley, Derek Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. And Io DeSumo has been stepping up even, and he's been playing pretty well. He's playing great but I don't know that this team can afford an injury to DeRozan or Vucevic. I don't think that they Mm -hmm. have the backups for that. I think that pretty much the only player they could have afforded an injury to was Pat Williams. Yeah. And even, mm -hmm. I was going to say, even then, obviously he was supposed to be a big piece
0: of what they were going to do this year. And to lose someone who's still so young, you kind of just want him to get as many reps as possible in his younger years so that he can learn the NBA game and get up to speed. But yeah, I mean they are pretty thin all over the board right now at every position. They don't have as many backups as they would want, especially while Kobe White's still gonna be out for maybe an entire other month now. It's not even sure. So no it's idea. uh it's looking especially worrying for those Bulls right now. If they can they should be able to stay healthy, but it is definitely going to be a, a problem when you want to start getting to rest guys or not have to rely on some of your older players to get you through the entire regular season. Cause you do want to be a playoff team that can potentially make a run. You might rather rest some of your vets than have them playing 40 minutes a night. Cause Vucevic is, is up there for minutes right now. And I don't know how much they want to maintain his 37 minutes a night.
1: I mean, I, don't know. I, I kind of want to talk a little more about this Pat Williams injury. Mm-hmm. Just I think it's really complicated. Yeah. Cuz he's someone who in a lot of ways was kind of better as a theoretical player than as an actual player. <laughs> a lot the idea of Patrick Williams was really good. The actual mm-hmm. player of Pat Williams was putting up 6 points a game. Still very raw. Very raw. He was I mean, actually he was 50 percent from 3. Big ups Pat Williams. Um mm-hmm. Look all I to say is like, yes, he is obviously still very good, but he wasn't this lockdown piece. This wasn't, he wasn't a huge piece of their, of their offense or defense right now. He still has to improve a lot more on the defensive side before he really becomes that defensive stopper that people want him to be. He's still mm-hmm. not there yet. He has the tools. He's figuring it out, but he's not there yet. So in a lot of ways, losing him is going to be all right. It's not going to kill the bulls this season, but you mentioned it. They need to get him the innings now. Yeah. He's there. Their, their young core outside of him essentially doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Levine is 26. Lonzo is 23. Crusoe is 27. Vucevic and DeRozan are over 30. Like Kobe white doesn't seem to be <laughs> part of their future plans that much. IO moves mm-hmm. 21. Pal Williams is their only young, real young breakout candidate to take over scoring after Vucevic and DeRozan start their decline. Mm-hmm. Him missing time is bad for the Bulls future even though in the short term, I think they'll be fine with Devo- Javante Green, Caruso, Derek Jones Jr., maybe even some Tony Bradley. They're all very good players. They're all yeah. very good players. But it's about that. What happens in the next few seasons? Or mm-hmm. what happens if Levine leaves?
0: Yeah. No, for sure. it, it mm-hmm. For sure. It's just a, it's a big loss for their uh, eventual future plans with this team. Cause you want them to get these reps in early and as much as I'm sure he'll be studying film and being around the team as much as he can to to try to still be able to be in that culture and the the vibe of the unit. But for sure to not have him out there, it's it's forced other guys to have to step up. But I mean you mentioned Ion Basumu. I'm I'm loving what I've seen from him. I mean at Illinois he was a tough point guard who was given everyone in the nation problems. And he seems to have come into the NBA and at least kept that same attitude about him. Like, yeah, every once in a while, you're going to get buckets from guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But the fact that he's there clamping up, playing as close up to them as possible, not worried about getting beat, but just trusting himself and his defense. And it's a very promising sign. You know, not every rookie comes into the league extremely confident and shows that on the floor that they're willing to do everything that they need to be able to do. And he seems like someone who's putting that level of effort into it every single day. So the Bulls might have got themselves a great one right there.
1: He's one of those guys who I'm surprised with how far he fell in the draft. Yeah. Because he's good. He can straight out play. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked that he wound up being, what was it, 42nd overall?
0: Yeah, somewhere in the early second round.
1: But... Yeah, I, I had him, I, I mean, mid second round more. I had him in the 30 to 40 range at the lowest. I really thought he'd be an end of first round pick obviously it's not how it went down but i'm not shocked that he's already contributing he was definitely he was someone who i definitely pegged in the draft as someone who would contribute right away and here he is contributing right away for sure uh you want to talk about charlotte
0: i mean talk about guys contributing right out of the draft you got Lamelo ball now one year of experience in the league and everyone's
1: already penciled him into an mvp ballot this season it's actually it's actually kind of crazy with how much how much his brother received the opposite yeah (laughs) like I don't know if you remember when Lonzo came into the league everyone was on him everyone was like talking about how they wanted to beat him every night Patrick Beverly a grown grown man was mad at this 19 year old because his dad dare support him out loud loudly support Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. it was it was madness to watch in the moment now his brother shows up he's a media darling everybody loves him he's won the hearts of everybody he's putting up 18 points six assists six rebounds and people are calling him an mvp candidate can i just put it like that's not to actually dump on Lamelo? he's been outstanding mm-hmm. he's, he's been way more than the stats can point out i'm gonna i'm saying that right now the stats mm-hmm. do not tell the story of Lamelo ball with that said if any other player <laughs> was putting up those stats you would not hear a word about mvps you know yeah. your know, word about all NBA superstar they'd be expecting so much more if if Zion Williamson came back and put up these numbers we'd call him a bust. We'd be like <laughs> all right, he's fat and he's out of shape and he's never he's never going to be that good. If Zion Williamson came in and averaged 18 6 and 6. That's not yeah, I mean- to dump on LaMelo. I love LaMelo. I love what I've been seeing from LaMelo. The energy that he brings to this team, the way that he leads the squad his personality and the way the team rallies around him and around his playstyle are all so huge. He sets the tone for everyone on this squad. He's shooting above forty percent from three, which I love. Uh, needs to do a little more inside the two point range, but that's for another time. Putting up a st- one and a half steals a game. He's doing stuff. He's filling this. St- he's putting stats up. They're not eye popping, but when you watch him play and the way and that's where the biggest value of Lamelo is. Just the way he pushes the team's pace and mm-hmm. keeps them under control.
0: At the same time, for sure. The way he's able to to manipulate the game and has such a, seems like such great control of the NBA rhythm and flow of how they go about when to push in transition, when to hold back, when to hit somebody for an open transition three, when to tell them, you know, just cut through, let's get into our set something that you don't always see with the young guys especially someone who is as hyped up as Lamelo. and hey i mean maybe it's it's all that experience playing pro ball all over the world before he got to the nba that might have gotten him ready who knows maybe it's better than college but that's for another day the point being that the charlotte hornets have themselves a great one and a lot of what he does you mentioned it doesn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet but it is just the whole, whole swag and the whole vibe that he brings to the team and the unit, how he's helping other guys really kind of flourish with him alongside. Like you look at a guy like miles Bridges, who's just having a a career year at this point and doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. A couple weeks into the season, he's been going absolutely crazy for them. And especially with Terry Rozier out for a little bit right now, they've had to rely on some other guys and, Miles has been stepping up majorly, filling him. It's like the number one scoring option for the team at this
1: point. (laughs) I mean, he's literally uh, averaging 25 and a half points a game. So yes, he is the number one scoring option. He's been putting up 25 and a half and eight eight rebounds a game. He's shooting above 50% from the field. His Mm -hmm. defense has just been amazing. He's active. He's everywhere. The shooting is not where we wanted it to be, which is a little worrying. But Mm -hmm. he's still shooting above 36%, a little over 36% on a little less than eight threes a game. That's awesome. Yeah. That's spoiler alert. <laughs> that's awesome. If you, it, it, spo- I'm sorry, he's not literally an MVP. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have to mention the shooting because everyone was hoping he'd shoot forty like last season. Yeah. Um. Also, after yesterday, it's now thirty-seven percent. Big, big mm-hmm. change. Um. Going up. He's. He, if he was really shooting forty, he'd actually be in the MVP conversation. If we're gonna be completely honest. <laughs> the way that he's been fitting with Lamelo has been the biggest thing. Just his mm-hmm. speed, his athleticism, and his defensive versatility to help mask for Lamelo, who's more of a steel gambler. It's been amazing. This mm-hmm. team is just so well-constructed. Mitch Kupchik has done, done a brilliant job this year. And seeing yeah. Miles break out has just been so much fun.
0: No, for sure. Miles has been – even we, – we mentioned the shooting, and that's what everyone's going get to get on him for. And I guess that 40% is held in such high regard right now, which – I really, I don't know why that it's 36 is not that far away, especially on so many more attempts that he's ever shot. Like at this point, he's making about two and a half a game on almost eight shots. Like that is essentially what you would want from miles bridges. You know, like if he makes less than two, you'd be upset. But if he's making any more than three, you count that every single one is money in the bank. Thank goodness. Cause we don't really think he's going to get more. So for him to be shooting the way he has been so far, especially on that volume is at least to me, it, it's a promising sign. Cause it means that, Hey, maybe he'll get down to closer to six attempts a game because that's probably where you'd want him at in that four to six range. And if he's hitting that 40 or 42 percent there, then all of a sudden those numbers look like way better. But yeah, I think he's been able to, to fit with Lomelo so well offensively in that transition game. And then defensively, you mentioned his versatility. And I just you see so much for me. He could step out on guards. He turns around. I've literally watched him guard players in the low post. And just, he comes over for some of the nastiest blocks and meet people at the rim because of his bounce. Like I've seen Miles Bridges snatch block people in the NBA and that doesn't happen very often, especially from a guy who's only like six, nine. So for for him to be able to do what he does defensively, if his instincts just get a little bit better, you know, his positioning continues to improve as he gets more cohesive with the rest of this Charlotte unit. I think that he could be a major piece in their defensive schemes and can allow them to really unlock a, a whole different defensive
1: side of the ball. And I, I know it's early. I know it's very early to talk about this, but it looks like it looks like he's already gonna it, it look I, I said it before I didn't think that either side would come to an agreement on an extension between bridges and the hornets and I think mm-hmm. they're gonna be fine with paying him but if he keeps playing like this he's gonna get a max. <laughs> yeah he's gonna get paid <laughs> quite, quite frankly he's going to get it he's going to hit restrict the free agency and someone is going to throw all their money at him the San Antonio mm-hmm. Spurs will throw all their money at him. The Memphis Grizzlies will throw whatever money they have left at him. The Magic will... Someone will throw their money at this guy. Okay. He looks see. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding. The defensive versatility is just something that every team... I don't want to say values. Every team should value. Mm-hmm. I think every team values. I think almost every team is at that point where they have realized how important versatility is. Mm-hmm. He's bringing it. He is, bring, he is allowing about... P.J. Washington, who... I, I've heard listed at every height from six foot four to six foot eleven. So I
0: <laughs> I think in the league they have him at uh six eleven. But that no, might be with shoes. I, apparently
1: it's six seven. That's one that's what, what, I'm, that's what the, I'm seeing right here. Uh NBA draft.net has him at six eight.
0: <laughs> there we go. Um But you, you know they always grow a couple inches after they get in the league. So, so it's why Jason 6 six eleven now, right? <laughs>
1: I don't even I I don't even know what to say anymore. PJ Washington is whatever he is, and he's got some he's got some long arms that help him a lot. He's got a seven three wingspan. There you go. But Bridges' strength has been a really big part of being able to get Washington at that five in those small ball lineups that mm-hmm. the Hornets are doing so well in. As yeah. much as Plumlee has been all right, he's honestly been a little disappointing this season. If we're going to be honest, mm. but having having Bridges strength next to Washington's length has worked really well for a small ball unit for this uh, for this Hornets team. Mm-hmm. One thing that they're going to the that Kupchak, Mitch Kupchak is going to have to deal with this offseason is one paying Bridges but the second is how he's going to handle PJ Washington. Mm-hmm. They're at their best right now with Washington at the 5. The question is is it is it Washington? Is it Bridges? How are you going to make that work? This team's about to get really expensive really expensive and that 9 million of dead money sitting on their book from buying out Nick Batum just so he can go ball out and be be go ball out and be what 85 percent no not even but just be like a budget rate version of this switchy forward wing that they want but have him do it in LA
0: yeah
1: it's uh that buyout is looking really rough for me especially with then the contract extension that uh, they signed Terry Rogier to mm-hmm. all the money that they're giving to Gordon Hayward. And now mm-hmm. they got all these extensions coming up.
0: Yeah. Decisions are going to need to be made. It's a, it's a big year for James Borrego and this whole Hornets team. They're going to have to figure out kind of where they stand on the season. And if they're able to make a run, do can they go spend some money and keep these guys around or, if everything starts to fall apart, how many pieces do you cut right now before you have to give any extensions and just try to go retool while Lamelo's still on that rookie deal?
1: Yeah, and, and just just so that we have um, a little uh, understanding of how much money this team has, mm-hmm. they have next season. They're already committed to be nineteen point six below the luxury cap. They're they're above. They're above. They have no cap space, mm-hmm. but they're they They're about nineteen and a half million away from hitting the luxury tax. That's assuming Miles Burgess takes his qualifying offer because that's how I do my stat sheets. Mm-hmm. If he gets an extra $20 million on top of that, which is very likely if he keeps playing like this, they're going to be in the luxury tax. They're going to be a luxury tax-paying team or they're going to have to start cutting people to make some money. Yeah. And yeah, they could cut Ish Smith. They could decline Jalen McDaniel's option and sign in a minimum guy. They could let Cody Martin walk and sign a minimum guy. But they're going to start Thanks. getting to that point where they're like, oh, and we have to start taking in minimum guys. We have to start cutting players. They might have to eat the dead money for Mason Plumlee's second year or send him somewhere else to mm-hmm. go be waived. And they did get a second round pick to take him. So I figure you could justify sending that somewhere else to cut, to take the uh four four 4.26 that he's owed next, 4.26 million he's owed next season. Mm. But there's uh there's gonna be decisions that are gonna be had to be made starting very soon in this uh for this Charlotte Hornets team.
0: Yeah, Michael Jordan I'm sure has his hands full and has people getting uh getting people around them aware of what's going on because I mean Lamella wants him on the floor too now so does he just take a pay cut take a roster spot. <laughs> I uh eh.
1: one game <laughs> one game. <laughs> um, no. speaking of financial decisions that had to be made. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sorry I didn't prep you for this, Chaz. Yeah, Jalen Smith had his option declined. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> Excuse, I, I I I actually wish I had written something down so that I wouldn't just be here stuttering at you guys for a minute. <laughs> but I don't. I want you guys. I want you, the viewers, to understand how crazy this is. This yeah. is a rookie. Yeah. Not even. This is a sophomore player. He barely played last season. Barely played. mm Hmm. They've declined his option. I don't. I don't know why. I don't. I can't. I can't figure it out. This is a tenth overall pick from two years ago. See not? I, I. believe it was tenth. Right. Tenth or eleventh, picked. Picked before. Mm-hmm. Let's Tyrese it. Halliburton. Yep. Who in the moment, we said, this team should take Tyrese Halliburton. This team would do really good. With Tyrese Halliburton having someone to learn from from Chris Paul, who's gonna be mm-hmm. aging out, who's gonna be And instead they took Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, who in some uh in some pre draft projections was a second round pick. Yeah. He has played two NBA games. He has <laughs> had four oh this. I feel year, like I've seen year. them both then this okay. season he's played two NBA games sorry I was reading that wrong he's played a total of 29 NBA games Jeez. in which he's averaged six minutes per game yeah I was gonna say has he even hit 100 minutes for his career barely I barely that is barely I believe that uh, is barely a hundred minutes right there <laughs> I don't know what I, I don't know how you sit there and make the decision of oh yeah we're just going to wave wave him his mm. his option would have been for 4.6 million I get that you're going to be in the luxury tax next season. Not paying Jalen Smith doesn't change that. Yeah. He still was the 10th overall pick. I don't get how you don't pick that up, at least to try to dump him. Did 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 no one even want to take him as a salary dump? I'd, I'm i going to be honest. I'd believe it, for one. I would. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't shown much. They and haven't he, given him much of an opportunity, but... You haven't given him any opportunity to play, and now you're going to make someone commit to four and a half? I understand why no one would want it, but it still surprises me. It's mm-hmm. still something that's sur- surprising to me. That you didn't go during the offseason and say, hey, wait, does anyone just want to take this guy's money? Yeah. Hey, we need Seconds. a backup we need a backup <laughs> guard. Chris Dunn? Chris Dunn was on the Memphis Grizzlies just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm shocked. I'm shocked that this is where we're at, that Jalen Smith just had his option declined. He's gonna be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. hmm I uh I, I really yeah. don't know where to go from here, Chaz. What what are your thoughts right now? Since I can barely gather mine,
0: I mean, like I
1: kind of told you when I saw it the first time, I I really don't get it
0: either. Doesn't make any sort of sense financially, as a team culture wise, as a just a move in general. I really don't get it. Maybe there'll there'll be some reports coming out later about him not getting along with the team or not listening to this and that. But I don't know. We haven't heard anything, and I don't want to put that out there because I don't think Jalen is any type of that. That kind of guy everything that i've heard about him seems like he's one of the nicest people on planet earth and he's just super go lucky about everything he does so i think it's just a very puzzling move especially I don't know. They talked about, about moving him in a lot this year. He seemed like he was doing good things in the summer league and they were giving him a lot of chances to at least compete for some lower minutes in the rotation. So it is surprising, especially with Dario Saric, pretty much gone for the entire season that you'd kind of want to cut ties with one of your only other backup bigs. Like now you're just backing on Deandre, Ayton, not just selling some part of the season and that JaVale McGee stays healthy for the whole year. Cause or else you're kind of just looking at Jay Crowder to be a small ball five with like, uh, I don't know, Abdel Nader. Like who else is, no one else is really coming off the bench. Frank Kaminsky, I don't think might still be around, but it's uh no, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for the Suns, especially if it doesn't get them any extra cap space. Like you're saving money that you're going to be already essentially paying for. So it just, I, I have no clue what's going on. Hopefully there's some contract restructuring, going on with some other guys maybe it helps aiden but i, I it, it's it weird. creates
1: an extra 2.3 million below the luxury tax for next season <laughs> not for this season for next season <laughs> worry about it in the off season yeah i just don't get how you spend the 10th overall pick on a player and waive him essentially cuz that's essentially what they're doing yeah you decline <laughs> his option you're just waving the guy essentially he's yeah. done You're telling him we're done with you. (laughs) This is this is just I I I need other people who are good at finding these precedents to come in and tell me if this is unprecedented, but I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure this is nearly unprecedented. To have a player show up after two years. No. And and not show up and just be embarrassingly bad. Because he wasn't. He was what everyone expected. He was raw. A project. (laughs) He was a project player. I, I've, I I am just absolutely shocked. I'm absolutely mm-hmm. shocked. Like To take him so much higher than he was projected to go. Yeah. To take him over Tyrese Halliburton, who would have fit your team so well. So well. I mean, yes, you got lucky campaign p- panned out. Yes. But having Tyrese Halliburton would have been way better. Mm-hmm. And then you wouldn't have to deal with this whole Landry Shamit contract and all this and all that. Yeah. Instead, you now you're getting rid of the guy. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And, and th- there has to be another move coming. I, I almost feel like this spells, this is going to wind up spelling the, uh, the end of Dario Saric mm. in terms of, okay, we're clearing up some cap. We're going to sign Aiden into the five-year max, I guess, as soon as the offseason hits, we're getting him the five-year maximum qualifying, maximum qualifying tender or whatever. So that every team has to sign him to a, to a four-year deal or said so that he just takes the five-year offer. That, that's what I think this is leading into. Mm. And that's not like uh, inside reporting. That's just, I don't know what else it could be. Literally. Do do they think Aiden's only going to get $18 million next year? And they're going to still be able to $18 million a year on his first year? And they're going to still be able to be underneath the cap? I mean, underneath mm. the luxury cap? I, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Considering they're yeah. still going to have to then make space for other players. I, I don't see it. This... It's just such a weird situation to me, and I'm shocked that it happened. Yeah, and this is this is definitely going to go down as a very, very puzzling, very
0: surprising, especially for the Suns team that's done so well in this kind of quick turnaround with Chris Paul and and Devin Booker now DeAndre and like to look at some of the other guys just lower down on this board picked after that are essentially the same role as what Jalen Smith they would hope he would be, you know, like got beef stew and precious achua in the next 10 picks right after him like there are other guys on this board that might have been worth a look if you were really committed to a big man and if you weren't i mean there's guards all over the place that would have been worth taking so yeah it's uh it really doesn't make a lot of sense from the phoenix suns right now
1: and just and and to add to it this is why you draft the best player available this is why (laughs) okay you look and you say i'm gonna take the best player available and if you really want jalen smith you really want him, you trade Straight for down. him. And you take two <laughs> seconds. Okay, we're going to take Tyrese Halliburton, and then whoever drafts him at number 25, all right, <laughs> we'll give you Tyrese Halliburton, and you give us Jalen Smith in two seconds. And if you really wanted Jalen Smith, now you have him. Yeah. Now you have him. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, this was not a good deal, The good pick. And now that they're cutting bait, I just think you're. I, I don't know. I, I, it's still. One thing that has been shocking to me with the Phoenix Suns with the way they've drafted, because it mm-hmm. starts it starts with DeAndre Ayton, if we're going to be honest. Oh, one yeah. Thing that I, I kind of feel like we should have mentioned at some point when we were talking about all the Ayton maximum deals and how I think they need to just get out on the side of why they should just give it to him. Mm-hmm. One, one thing we didn't talk enough about, I think, is should they have just done it, given Ayton this maximum contract extension just to do it? And honestly, there's yeah. a fine argument for it. Because you spent the first overall pick on him in a draft that had Luka Doncic, Trey Young, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who played completely different roles than DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is what we expected him to be when he came out of the draft. For th- For the first few seasons, he wasn't that. He was Mm -hmm. trying to do his own stuff on offense. He was struggling on defense. Now he finally figures it out. He's playing good defense. He's playing good offense. He's diving. He's not being making an issue. He knows how to fill a role. He's bringing toughness. He's he's holding down the defense like an anchor. He's -hmm. doing everything you wanted. Why do you take a guy number one overall if you're not going to give him a maximum contract? Yeah, that's that's the argument for why you should just give DeAndre in a max. I was not in that Phoenix Suns war room. I was not in the draft room. I do not know. Maybe they heard bad things about Luca and were concerned about Trey's size and this and that and this and that. But you don't take DeAndre number one overall and expect him to be anything more than he is right now, unless you did. And I would have heavily, I heavily disagreed with the selection in the moment, and I still heavily disagree with disagree with it because this is what I thought he was going to be—a third mm-hmm. option on a title on a title team, maybe, maybe. And now you look at Jalen Smith and look—the idea of Jalen Smith is awesome. 6'11 mm-hmm. and shoots and switches and he's shooting 22% from three under 44 from uh, 44 from the field on his career he's yeah the shooting is a lot more of a theory than it is actually existing right now
0: mm-hmm.
1: all that's to say is it, it is that is and, and then he he stinks for two seasons and you're like all right we're cutting bait what did you expect yeah. he weighs 200 pounds at six foot 11 he, so if if the wind blows on him the wrong way, he'll fall. If Lance Stevenson is guarding him, he might blow him to the ground. <sighs> uh, all that have to it's... say is, this asset management of Phoenix is uh, the draft asset management of Phoenix has been a little surprising for me, mm-hmm. and I just I, I I I don't know how you expect to continue building a long-standing winning team like this. And especially one thing that we haven't talked about with Robert Sarver is that there was an acute, there was a, a rumor, a report came out that the NBA is preparing for a story accusing of Robert Sarver of racism, homophobia, sexism in his workplace. That story mm-hmm. still hasn't came out, by the way. Yeah, that story, that that's the the rumor came about a week ago or something, and that story still hasn't came out, which is a little surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, some big names were cited to have been part of it, apparently. I don't have all the details in front of me right now. I'm still shocked that hasn't came out, but right now it is not looking good to be Robert Sarver. Yeah. I'm not, I, I would not feel great to be him right now. I I'm hoping, I'm hoping everything works out and he is not actually acute not actually guilty of those whole of the horrible accusations he's being done with. But between mm-hmm. that and then the on the court stuff going on with DeAndre Aiden and now Jalen Smith, I'm I, 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 I would not want to be a fly in. I would not want to, uh, Things be, are heating uh, up in the desert. I would not want to be his therapist right now, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I hope I, I. It does not seem like it's easy being being Robert right now. I hope everything's going well for you, Mr. Sarver. Yeah. Um, let's move on. We got a little stuck on this. I had mm-hmm. no notes. I'm sorry. Uh, John Morant, the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. keeping it West Coast, keeping it Western Conference. Uh, they've had an insane season, and John Morant is making All NBA this year. Boom. Yo, yeah. First take. First hot take of the season we're back seasons in hot takes galore John Moran is making an all NBA team Mm -hmm. he's leading the league in scoring he's seventh in assists he's putting up over five rebounds a game he's finally hitting threes at around 39 percent a game while shooting six a game I I think he's turned the corner Mm. I think he has turned the corner I've been saying that he's going to for a long time he showed that every every time the games matter he turns it on every play in game every playoff game it's time he turns it on I like the Steven Adams fit next to him. I think it lets him do a lot more on offense. I do think mm-hmm. the SJV was great and a backbone for this team, but I think John Morant needed that pressure of this is my team. Yeah. And I imagine his numbers will come down a little more with Dylan Brooks coming back soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love Dylan Brooks. Absolutely. Um, that'll also normalize a lot more of the rest of the lineup, help him get a couple more wins. Cause they've lost a few games and had a couple of games get a little too tight. Just because they've still got some growing pains going on, they're still missing Dylan Brooks' toughness and his 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 presence on the floor. That defensive intensity that he brings is unmatched. He's probably one of the best man-to-man defenders in the league. Not having mm-hmm. him is huge. Getting him back is going to be awesome. And yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: all those Zaire william minutes all of a sudden just end up getting split between De'Anthony Melton, Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks instead you find yourself in a, a position to put yourself in a lot more winning situations. Cause it is great to see the young fellow out there getting his buckets, but he still looks like he still needs some time to develop in this league and might be better served for, for six to eight minutes a night coming off the bench and a, a few more hours in the film room than on the actual NBA floor. But yeah, this Grizzlies team, especially John Murad, man, like think a think of one of the, the greatest stories of the NBA right now, like a guy out of, heavily under-recruited out of high school, kind of goes to a a low-level major college in Murray State and has a first year where no one really is talking about him and kind of just always blows up, watch him continue to be great. And like you mentioned, always elevates himself in the biggest moments, you know, like when the games are on the line when the season needs to be, be had, like when all the biggest moments happen, he wants to be in the middle of it. He wants the ball in his hands and especially for a young guy, that's always so, so key. And the Grizzlies have to be thrilled to see his progression so far. I mean, he, he missed that free throw there, I guess, the Blazers, which obviously is going to haunt him for a long time. And I won't be surprised to see him shoot like 100% for an entire playoff run at some point in his career and say like, yeah, I never wanted to uh, miss free throw to be the reason we lost the game again because that just seems like literally the type of person he is. And John Morant, to watch his, his growth and development in this league and how this Grizzlies team is building around him, Like you see so many players finding themselves great roles and great development into the NBA, just because he does so much for this team that it allows everyone else to just focus on what they need to do to be great around him. And that's just a huge piece of what the NBA is going around having this type of superstar who's so selfless and can create for everyone while also dominating the game is it's an absolute blessing for the Taylor Jenkins and this Grizzly squad.
1: Yeah. If they make a top six team, you're going to hear me loudly parroting that John Moran for all NBA. And mm-hmm. I'm also gonna be loudly parroting that we need to get rid of the get rid of the damn positions on it already. Yeah, I because I'm sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, six guards. Can Jamarant still make it? And yes, I think he can. I think he can. I think he can easily tough, take. Though. It's gonna to be <laughs> tough. But quite you know? frankly, quite frankly, he shouldn't be. He sh- It should just be a top fifteen at this point. Yeah, it just should be. I'm not gonna get into that right now. I can't. I don't, we don't have the <laughs> time to go into that today. Well. We'll do that maybe when we do our awards predictions at some point. Some point. Uh, but yeah, no, that's I've got I've got him all NBA even as even without it being positionless. I think he could easily make I think he could even make second team, maybe. If Chris Paul could do it last season, I think John Morant could do it this season. <laughs> Absolutely. Um you wanna do Miami?
0: Yeah. Let's talk some some heating up. I think they're they're number one in the first power rankings released today, weren't they? They were. They're
1: killing everybody. They, yeah. they even killed the Grizzlies without Pam out of bio. Yeah. Give me fourth in deep in offensive rating first in defensive rating by two and a half points. This team is just killing it so far. They came into this season with fire in fire, just fiery. They're mm-hmm. killing everybody and everything. I, they've just been the most dangerous team in the league. Somehow the only team they've lost to is the Pacers. Yeah, uh Khalari didn't play in that game. <laughs> oh yeah, that probably that, that explains it. That explains it. This Pacers, this Pacers team is uh one in six currently, although they're about to beat the Spurs by 20. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this Miami team has just been awesome. And yeah. Really the main takeaway for me is if it is they could be a top two seed if they keep this up. They could be the number one seed in the league if they keep this up. Mm-hmm. and that number one seed in the East is going to be worth so much because think of, think of who else is going to be in that two, Who who's going to be in the two to six range yeah I mean Boston has kind of fallen off which is very sad I said don't play Al Horford I mean the Al Horford and Robert Williams has actually not been as bad as I thought it would be
0: they're literally first and second in the
1: league in blocks right now it's insane <laughs> for an old man like Al Horford that's insane old 32 old 32- year old man like Al Horford that's insane for real um, <laughs> but it's actually been work. that has actually been working surprisingly well. I think Marcus smart shooting about 0% from the field has made it really tough. I think I had the yeah. numbers and he was shooting below 20% from two and below like 23% from three. Yikes. I-, I think he's been playing much better this game though. I don't know if the stats open in front of me right now. And I don't like reading live stats during our <laughs> podcasts. Going to be honest. Um, but yeah, this, um, this Miami, you're you're looking in a, at the two to two to six seeds being like Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly has been playing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Knicks have been playing really well too. Maybe the Bulls, yeah. maybe but the you're Hornets. definitely getting the Nets, the Bucks, the Nets, the Bucks, and Philly in that range mm-hmm. where you're, you'd have to be playing some All Stars. They're all going to go against each other. Yeah, the Bucks have been slow. They're resting guys. There's a chance they're a five or they're the five six six mm-hmm. seven. Like I predict, I said they were going to be lower this year. I called it early. Um, the injuries have piled up. Drew Holiday has barely played. Mm-hmm. Um, that first seed pretty much guarantees you won't have to deal with any of that until the second round. And depending on how beat up this Bucks team is, you might really not have to do deal with anything until the conference finals. Even mm-hmm. you might go. You might have to go all the way to the conference finals to play a top ten player in the NBA. So for Miami, locking up that one seed, especially with that dynamic. World beating defense. You get that, that. They have the tools to go to the finals. I mm-hmm. said it. I I said it all last year and regretted it at the end of the year. But they've got the tools. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep this up. I am going to predict that they come down to earth. Okay. Mm. yeah, This is it. I, they will not be fourth and first through the entire season. I think their defense will be top two, three, four. But I think the mm-hmm. offense is still going to stay within the top ten range. Mm-hmm maybe they fall out, fall to like the second or third seed. That's my my early call. But from what I've seen so far, that on switch exists for them, and I'd be very scared if I'm a playoff team looking at them right now.
0: Yeah, this Miami team has definitely been obviously scorching hot to start the season, and that's something that I wasn't too sure about. I mean, a a team usually with veterans and Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler, you think maybe they'll – They'll start it a little slower. They know they just need to get to the playoffs and figure it out. But, yeah, Eric Spolster has been running them out the gate. They're killing everybody. And it really is that defense. And even with they've been missing Bam Adebayo recently, and they've still been able to smother teams. And having Bam Adebayo out and this defense still contributing to winning basketball is a huge, huge win for this Miami Heat team because that's something that they're going to have to be worried about the entire season is – there's obviously no one who could replace what Bam does, but the fact that they don't really have another person who could do what he does even really remotely, you know what I mean? Like Marcus Morris, or not Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris can space the floor. He's nowhere near the versatile paint defender that Bam is. Dwayne Dedman, I don't is Dwayne
1: Dedman still on the team right Dude, now? Like Dwayne Dedman is leading the NBA in net rating. Yeah, he is still on the Heat and he's I, doing uh, great. I, I I I'm sorry that's why I hate early season stats but he's he's he leading the league in net rating right now he is in 120 offensive rating um where's his defense I can't see his defensive rating but his net rating is 28.7 well, I means his defensive rating must be like a 90 92 91 then like it's gotta be something like that hold on I got the defensive ratings
0: right here but I, yeah I no can find he's it he's a a piece that you can run for spells without bam Adebayo, but if at any point they're going to miss him for extended time this miami heat team is going to struggle but the way that they've looked at kyle lowry so far and how he's been able to just fit seamlessly into their team and you see all of them already look like they're on the same page from day one it's a it's a very promising look i think everyone every miami heat fan should be super excited for this whole season and these playoffs i think they've got a squad that can really compete and Obviously, they were they were definitely part of my futures bets this summer, even though the parlays might not look that good this weekend, the futures are still going strong. So, you know, the Miami Heat squad is is poised and ready to go. I think they're got very dangerous looks at this Eastern Conference. Anyone who's going to come up against them in a seven game series is going to struggle to score the ball. It doesn't matter if you have Kevin Durant, James Harden and Kyrie Irving. They have the matchups
1: for that. And that's the problem. (laughs) And. Yeah, as long as this Miami Heat team can stay healthy, I'm I'm excited to see them. One thing I want to point out: how many points per game do you think Kyle Lowry is averaging? Um, I know it's I I know for a fact it's like 11 or something. Oh no like no, that. no 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 no, it's less. <laughs> it's 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 noticeably less. it's less. He's averaging 8.4 points per game. Let's go, Kyle. Shooting 33% from the field and 27% from three. And they're still five and one, and it doesn't even look like he's playing badly when I watch them. It's 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 a testament to who Kyle Lowry is as a player, that he is averaging 8.4 points per game and is this much better than what Goran Dragic was for them last season. <laughs> the defense, the intensity that he brings, the way he captains this squad, eight yeah. points doesn't mean anything. He's also putting up 7.2 assists. <laughs> I, I love Kyle Lowry. I am not shocked that he's been balling out. This transformation for this team, for the team that's happened, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year. <laughs> I still I mean, hate the base. award. I still hate yeah. the award, but I'm happy we I'm happy we didn't do predictions before the season so that I can look smart now, <laughs> or so <that> I won't <laughs> look dumb. I hate the award. Big ups to Tyler Hero. He's leading the he's leading the race for it already
0: yeah i mean he's he's having a great year for them off the bench he's gonna need to continue to get as many buckets as physically possible so i think that he he'll definitely be someone that's going to be in that running the whole season
1: long yeah um let's do cleveland and then we'll close it down unless we have some time we do raptors after we'll see cleveland has been cleveland was really hot for a little bit and then they kind of are coming back down to earth or uh, earth again i mean uh, they just beat the hornets tonight they did they tried, they tried to throw it away, but they did win by three. Let me take that back. They are not coming down to earth at any time soon. They are four and four. They were three and two. They've they they've beaten. They've lost to the Hornets. They lost to the Hornets once, beat the Hornets once. They lost to the Grizzlies. They beat the Hawks. They beat the Nuggets. They beat yeah. the Clippers in three straight games, and they lost to the Lakers, lost to the Suns. They just beat the Hornets again. Four and four. Uh, obviously I did not get forced. to see everything that happened this game. As you know, we're recording right now. Yeah. They've been running this ultra jumbo lineup with Lori Markin and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen surrounded by their mini point, mini guards of Sexton and Garland. <laughs> and, uh, the imagery of that, when they all uh, are walking into the game, is pretty funny for me. I love it. Yeah. looks like a 2k park team. <laughs> I'm, I can't believe that it's working. I big ups to J.B. Bakerstaff. Yeah, it's been eight games, and I think he saved his job. <laughs> okay, JB Bickerstaff was a coach. I, I can't remember if we mentioned it during the offseason deep dives, but he was someone who was definitely getting talked about as being on the hot seat. Oh yeah, there was a lot of te- there was a lot of people who were like, look, the ownership's going to get mad that they're still losing. It's been so long, and then all this. JB Bickerstaff has saved his job already. Without even if they lose every game for the rest of the season, <laughs> because of the way that he's been using Evan Mobley. Yeah. Evan Mobley has looked amazing, and it's I'm go- giving all praise to J.B. Bickerstaff, who has done a great job at putting him into all the right spots. Obviously, praise goes to Mobley for doing it, for taking mm-hmm. advantage. Don't get me Execute wrong. Mm-hmm. Execution's important, but J.B. Bickerstaff has put him in a position where he can do a little bit of everything on the floor. He's figuring out what he's comfortable with and is growing at the stuff that he's not. He gets to put mm-hmm. the ball on the floor. He catches it on the outside. He's open. He can shoot it. He can drive. He can swing it around. He's done a few post-ups. He does some diving. He's done a little bit of everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the only thing he hasn't done is run a pick and roll, um, <laughs> which is probably very tough on a team like this. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, I don't know how you're doing that. <laughs> I I don't. I, I would love to see it for one, <laughs> but I don't know how you do it. Um, mm-hmm. This team is... uh. I, I love it. I, I It's great to see. And I also just want to sit here and double down on all of our – it's not made me rethink my pre-draft projections. We'll put that <laughs> out there. Yeah, I mean, Evan Mobley's been playing amazing. It's great to watch. He does – at
0: least looks a little bit better than I think we gave him credit for going to the draft. I don't know about I, – I,
1: I think he – I think that he's doing a lot uh, – I think he's looking a little better on offense than we we thought he'd be doing. Mm-hmm. But um, I I mean the defense is pretty much what we expected, right? Yeah, he is just very you man. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's leading. Uh, I believe he's one of the league leaders. He's near the near the top in shots contested this year, but he's also mm-hmm. been allowing an above league average two shooting percentage. As yeah. someone who's contesting at the rim again and again and again, you would expect that number to be a little lower. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that he's contesting the shots but the true shooting percentage is not good. Yeah. It, that's not surprising to me, though.
0: hmm
1: No, for it, sure. It, it, we, we, we said it before. Mobley is going to have to work on the actual fundamentals of defense, first mm-hmm. and foremost. And second, he's going to have to get bigger. Yeah. He's just not terrifying. Yes, when you attack him and drive at him, it's this lanky monster at the rim. Mm-hmm. But if you can put him under the rim or you can, you can get him – you can get in the air before him you can push through him there's a lot of ways around him still because he's still so lanky yeah if he can fill out that frame it looks like he'll at least be able to play as a real big Mm -hmm. i i gotta see some more on the perimeter from him before i'm rethinking anything but i've i've liked what i've seen it's been really promising this is still why he was one of our top guys on our board
0: yeah, no, I mean, he was still definitely a, a top five, top seven guy. And what he's shown, at least for me, a little bit, obviously his fundamentals defensively at the NBA, being able to keep up with guys and read plays better are going to need to improve. But I do think that positionally he's he's looked better than I thought he was going to. I feel like he follows plays a lot more. He he does have a little bit more basketball instinct than I think I, at least I saw when he was with USC. And right now it's transitioning. a game. Maybe some of that's happened. A guy like Jared Allen, who's always behind you to protect the rim and definitely makes guys think about going to the rack. If you turn up and you see Evan Mobley and then Jared Allen right behind him, it's like, oh, well, even if I beat this one guy, I'm going to have to put myself in probably a difficult position to get around him. And then I have to deal with that big fro who just wants to block everything over there. So let me not go over this way. But, yeah, I think he's he's obviously showing that he's a high-talent, high-level player who can potentially grow into one of the better players both ways of the floor his offense has been was really impressed obviously i think the defense everyone was talking about he was damn near a dpoi candidate when he was still in college like people were calling him anthony davis already so i think the defense we all kind of hoped it would be able to be there but offensively the his ability to put it on the floor a little bit get to one to two dribble one to two dribbles make a good move get a good shot up or find his other guys like the fact that he's able to just react to plays and make good passing decisions sometimes is something that I'm very excited to see, especially in these jumbo sets where he doesn't have a lot of true natural ball handlers and perimeter players around him to find the space. The fact that he's able to find them and connect on these plays is shows promise for a Cavaliers team that probably has won a quarter to a fifth of the
1: games that I thought they were gonna win for the entire season already. <laughs> I think that pretty much, that captures it very well. I, I'm look, I still need to see more, but I, mm-hmm. I have liked what I've been seeing. I'm very excited to see where Mobley grows from here. And the reason that I like what Jay Baker staff is doing is that I think that this will give Mobley the opportunity to out to show where pl- people like us were scared for his offensive side. Mm-hmm. I think the, so much of defense is working on yourself and working on your body, but offensively, yeah. Bickerstaff is going to give him the opportunity to grow into whatever he can be. Mm-hmm. And that is just so important for this guy, for a, for the ceiling of a player like Mobley. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk Colin Sexton really quick? Sure. I saw this on Twitter, and so I looked into it a little more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, someone said, oh, yeah, usually at the end of Cavs games when they're getting blown out or they're losing, Colin Sexton gets to come in, put up some points in garbage time, boost his stats and all that. No, they're Mm -hmm. not doing that anymore. They're not playing him at the end. And it's, he's going into restricted free agency this season. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Mm. I looked, he's down about six minutes per game from last season. He's (laughs) averaging the lowest minutes per game of his career. He's also shooting less. Last season, he shot 18.4 times a game. This season, he's only shooting 13.6 times. Mm. That... Is surprising <laughs> to yeah. put it lightly. I I don't think he's looked bad by any by any stretch. His field goal percentage, his three point percentage is down. Mm-hmm. He's shooting twenty five percent. He's shooting one. He's still shooting four a game, which is where he's always been at. Usually he shoot, he hits one and a half a game. This year he's hitting one. I I think that will normalize very soon. But his mm-hmm. field goal percentage is up twenty percent from last season. Jeez. You want to know why? Because he's shooting almost sixty percent on two pointers, and so I kept looking. I I wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. He's shooting a blistering, blisteringly hot seventy-seven point four percent at the rim. Yikes! That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> For a six-one guard, that is insanity. Seventy-seven point four. Meanwhile, he's increased. He's shooting. He last season he shot twenty-seven point three percent of his shots at the rim. Mm-hmm. This season, he's shooting thirty two point six percent of his shots at the rim. It's like a higher conversion percentage than Boban Mjanovic. <laughs> Dude is automatic inside.
0: He's it's awesome,
1: balling. and but he's getting way less shots. Way so less
0: shots. You think this is the the Cavs telling JB Bickerstaff we need we need Colin to be a little less involved so he doesn't look as good going into the summer? We can pay him less.
1: I would never insinuate some something like that. <laughs> I saw it on Twitter. And I'm just saying, I think this is going to be an issue. If, Colin this is not, is if, this is, if this is a trend and not a blip, if this is not a, oh, variation, if this is our game plan, Colin Sexton is going to shoot less and play a lot less in his restricted free agent season where we could, where we didn't make him a de- an, an offer that he felt was acceptable, I think he's going to get really mad. Yeah, Colin is not a guy who's gonna put up with any of
0: that. He wants to play 50 minutes out of the 48 every single night, and <laughs>
1: uh, t- just take every shot. I think it's a it's egregious that he's playing 29 a game. Yeah, when he he put up when he averaged 31 as a rookie. You have you have no one to play that position for you either. Like Ricky Rubio
0: and Darius Garland are doing a fantastic job at setting up plays and being playmaking point guards. They have literally no other wing scores, the name not named Colin Sexton. Like, okay, I get Shetty Osman is on the team. He's still not a wing scorer.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dylan
0: Windler couldn't even tell you if he's been playing this year.
1: Can you explain to me how Colin Sexton is averaging twenty nine minutes per game and Rubio is averaging twenty-eight? That's yeah. a little weird to me. Mm-hmm. I I I I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I just think, look, I think this team is still really good with Colin Sexton. I think Colin Sexton yeah. is their only real scorer. Mm-hmm. I I, I don't know who else you can give the ball to and say, "Hey, go get a bucket." That can go get a bucket. I mean, Laurie Markkinen mm-hmm. has been stepping up in that regard. But Jared Allen has been long. doing his thing on the offensive glass. Evan Mobley has been stepping up. But Sexton is still the only guy on this roster. That I yeah. can just go and be like, isolation, go get me a bucket. And I'd feel comfortable. So it's weird mm-hmm. to see his minutes and his, and all of his stats across the board drop like they have.
0: Yeah, it's uh, some suspicious things going down there in the land. Going to have to keep an eye on it for sure. And uh, I'm sure Colin Sexton will let us know about
1: it if he, if it continues to trend in the same direction. Yeah, and hey, look, they're winning games. They're 4-4. Four and four. Maybe this is still the best thing for them. I'm not coming out here and saying that. But I am going to come out here and say, I think Colin Sexton is not going to be happy about this if this keeps up. Yeah. And then they're going to have to make that decision. And this is what we talk about, the issue when you don't sign a player to an extension. You, At what point are they going to get, you know, tired of yep. uh, the situation if you're not giving them a shot? if you're not giving them what they consider a fair shot? Especially on point Are they going to demand more touches? Are they going to demand more? It's a tough line to trend. It's a tough line to walk.
0: I uh... especially on a non-competitive team and a, a guy who's always been the the de facto go-to scorer without someone else on his team who seems like they are anywhere even in near his level of scoring not let alone someone who you could say like hey look Colin we get it but this guy is doing this type of stuff we need to let him get his like who, who are you telling Colin Sexton he can't shoot the ball because of on this team mm-hmm. like, who is it like no 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 we need to make sure that kevin love gets his six threes a night like no dude you don't you absolutely do not let me figure out what everyone else's shots are going to be but colin sexton wants to take care of that every single time down the floor it's going to be a, a it's going to be a, a sticky situation throughout the season if the Cavs are losing and continuing to bench him and not let him play
1: yeah i mean like honestly like honestly like at least just let him take all the bench shots at least that at least get him in the bench role and get him taking the shots there. I don't know. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying it's, it's, it's weird. And I think that they'd be winning more games. If Colin Sexton was allowed to go be Colin Sexton. Yeah. He's won them games in the past. He's still one of the best scoring young players in the league. I just go
0: get you 40 on any given night. Like
1: he could, there's (laughs) never, there's never look, obviously he's not going to average 40, but he can hit 40. He's the guy who's got it in him to hit 40. He done beat it multiple the Brooklyn times heads. before Yeah, by himself by himself didn't they have <laughs> the whole thing they were they were going crazy and he just beat him. yeah he's, he's not, just like nah he is like that he is like that and look mm-hmm. obviously you have to account for other stuff you have to count but this is just something that i'm gonna be keeping an eye on for the rest of the season in yeah. terms of huh how how is he gonna handle this mm-hmm. all right Chaz, i think now a great place to close it out Mm. Uh, anything I think you so want to too. I mean, I think we're we're good.
0: Happy to, obviously excited to see the NBA season back rolling again. So many great games have been played. The Washington Wizards seem to have every single game they play go to quadruple overtime. So that's Please always me fun. Please tell they didn't go to overtime today. I don't have the game open right now. <laughs> no, nah, I mean they're down eight with a minute twenty to go. So I don't think they'll get it there. But Spencer Dinwiddie's had some late game heroics before.
1: So you never know. Mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma is averaging like twelve rebounds a game. So yeah, I feel <laughs> bad that we didn't talk about the the, the Wizards, but I just I want to see a little more. I want to see a little more Wizards, honestly. Need to see them fall off before we can co- confidently say that they have just peaked six games into the season. <laughs> also, by the way, we're looking at it right now. Nikola Vucevic is one assist away from a triple double in the in the comeback against the Boston Celtics, where they were down double digits. Yeah. Wow. Jalen Brown's been on twenty eight. I think it's like a third quarter. <laughs> oh wow! Is this like a Steph Curry thirty points? And uh, I, I'm I, I hate when we record during games because I can't watch them. But yeah. hey, I'll go in tomorrow and I'll I'll get all my uh, my ca- I'll get my catch up. Yeah, because
0: Damar has thirty seven. Bro,
1: Damar is nice. Damar is nice. <laughs> Damar's the go-to. DeMar, AO's DeMar's got fourteen. Is... Oh, let's go. When Damar is hitting that mid-range shot, it's it, 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 he's unstoppable. One of a kind. Best be, mm-hmm. best mid-range sh- shot in the game. All right, hot take to end it there. <laughs> this has <laughs> been the Ball Star podcast. Chaz, is always a pleasure uh to all our viewers thank you so much for listening please follow us on instagram at ball talk official uh if you're watching this on youtube a podcast or a podcast platform please like subscribe rate review uh anything you can do leave a rating anything you can do Mm -hmm. to support the program it means the world to us we notice it we treasure it it means everything to us until next time thank you for tuning into ball talk it's ball talk
0: it's ball talk baby it's ball talk It's it's ball talk baby it's ball talk It's ball talk, baby, it's ball talk, it's ball talk, baby, 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 baby.